Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Um, this is a very special edition of Wonder Women in Business podcast. As you know, I often invite allies in our fight for equity to be guests on the show. And today I have a very special guest, Josh Becker. He's a Democrat running for California State Senate District 13. Many of you have heard of him. Some of you probably know him in my listening audience. Uh, but we're going to get to know him a whole lot better today. So welcome, Josh. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about your background. I know how, you know, where you live. We're not too far apart where we live. Um, I'm in South San Francisco. You're down there in Menlo Park. Um, what are the issues? You know, tell me a little bit about what, how you got to where you are today, like your background. We need to know a little bit more about you. Sure. You know what? It's interesting. So I have a background in both the business world and um, ran a company last seven years that uh, innovated around um, law, started as a public interest project at Stanford around how can we bring openness and transparency to the law using data, using technology. Um, and you know, I've been involved with funding businesses before that, particularly a lot of green businesses and clean energy businesses. Uh, but I also have spent a lot of time in the public sector. I started out, I was, uh, um, uh, I went down to El Salvador to volunteer in the early 90s, came back really motivated, got involved in politics, got involved in campaigns, it was kind of a little bit political geek, got involved in, you know, ultimately became a press secretary on Capitol Hill for a congresswoman uh, before coming out here. And then since I've been out here, I've been on local, you know, I'm a county commissioner and on a state board member and um, a trustee in the UC system. So I have this sort of background of, of both worlds. That's so great. So um, I love the fact that you bring the experience from both worlds to the table. You're you call yourself a public policy innovator. I think that's a creative, creative title. Um, it makes sense having had the business background and then being now involved as a public servant. I think that's terrific. Um, let me know what made you do what you do. Like I, I see you're focused a lot on climate change, which I love that. I'm sure most of my listeners do too. Uh, what compelled you to do what you're doing today or work? Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, really, I mean, go back to that time in El Salvador and you went down to really build houses, ended up starting a school there with a friend I was down there with and, um, and came back just really motivated uh, to make a difference. And, and I've worked at various levels and I've you know, tried various things. I'm always thinking, what are innovative solutions to solve big public problems? And um, we did that with the fund that I started. It's like, okay, how can we find great um, you know, uh, social impact entrepreneurs, people who are innovating in the private sector around issues like the climate change and who are doing innovative things with energy efficiency or with food or with um, you know, clean energy uh, supplies as well with innovative solar or wind technologies. And that's what excites me. That's what gets me uh, you know, up in the morning is what are those innovative ideas that we can bring forward? And, um, and again, I love that uh, working across the sectors and um, that's what kind of gets me going. And I believe that now we've got the great opportunity to bring some of these ideas up to Sacramento uh, in a state that matters, that we've got the fifth largest economy in the world and can be, um, I think, even more of an innovator than we are in critical areas. And 
lead the world even more than we are in, a, in an issue like combating climate change? So I love this answer for so many reasons, but I've been biting my tongue because I didn't want to interrupt you. But how amazing that you um, built homes overseas. This is just, you know, that's just living outside our country for even a little while gives you such a global worldview. Yeah. And you start to think like more strategically across that we're all one, we're all connected. We're, um, I, I look at a lot of Geert Hofstede's research on cultural dimensions, um, whereas he talks about collectivity and how we're connected and just think of the Ohana, it, you don't have to be blood relatives to be Ohana or family but we're all connected across this globe um, versus individualistic mindsets, which we see a lot of that in politics today. And it saddens me um, to see that, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, great that you did that. It's the best way to combat bigotry is to travel the world and see how other people live their lives. And the fact that you, it seems, believe that living in service to others is a, is a really big purpose you know, for your life, to your life, adds a lot of purpose to your life. Well, tell me, why are you taking all this great experience and running for the California Senate? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny, like I said, I, you know, I, I saw Thomas Friedman speak at the Climate Summit wow. uh, last year, and he said something I thought was interesting. He said, I see myself as a translator between English and English. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really quite amusing. And I said, oh, that, you know, it kind of like struck me. It's like, I want to be the translator too. I would, you know, between Sacramento and the Bay Area, I mean, there's such ideas here. My district includes Stanford, uh, where maybe there's a big climate summit today from one o'clock to six o'clock. Um, and, you know, we have Arun Majumdar who created ARPA-E, which is our advanced yeah. research projects for energy. We have, you know, Chris Fields who, who, um, wrote a lot of the original IPCC report and we have such expertise in this area um, and uh, such innovation and I want to really bring that to Sacramento and be that be that translator and I'm I think it's a, a, a right and it's a right time for me I've um, done a lot of different things in my life it's it's the right time to be in public service full-time doing that I love that I love that so honestly Josh I think you're gonna have to be more of a simultaneous interpreter <laughs> things are changing so quickly um, I'm really impressed with everything Stanford has done um, I've been involved in climate change issues my husband was the CEO of an energy company and they tried to you know they still try to do their best to move toward green energy um, right. you can't be cold turkey we know that but what Stanford has done is just remarkable. Aren't they like 99% um, on sustainable energy? I mean, that's just fascinating what they've done. Um, I, think I think they're getting there, but I'll say, you know, UC Merced, which I, as a founding trustee and I've chaired the board of uh, the foundation there, um, UC Merced is every building is lead platinum uh, or higher. Uh, it will be net zero energy by the end of this year. And um, so we're seeing exciting things throughout the state. Wow. So I've toured that campus. It's beautiful. Absolutely oh, good. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My son got in there and then he got in Berkeley. So he's at Berkeley. But the campus okay. at UC Merced is amazing. It's just really incredible. Um, let me ask you this. So 
those are big, you know, broad strokes, you know, climate change is huge. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know what the words mean. They still are locked in on, um, if it's hot, it can't be, I mean, if it's cold, it can't be global warming, you know, they don't understand. Um, so that's a big, you know, important platform to, to have a comprehensive plan regarding. And I think you're in the right area to share it with people who want to know more, those who don't and to explain it to those who um, don't know what they don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's really great. I, I understand you have a comprehensive plan. I'm gonna share that with listeners when they uh, read my blog, because I always write a blog about my guests. So folks, if you're interested, I'll make sure to put a hot link to everything you need to know about Josh and his comprehensive plan on that blog. Um, tell me exactly, you know, just if you had to laser-like focus, look at, how would people benefit directly? Let's just say someone in our area or in your district, in you know, the, the sound bite that they can understand in their language, in layman's terms, how would they benefit directly from your serving in the Senate? Well, better uh, education, better schools, you know, clean air and clean water for our kids and grandkids and housing that young families can afford and attainable senior housing. Those are my Now goals. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think that's a really hot topic and a very, all, all of those things are very important, but every day we wake up, we do a forced ranking of the things that are most important. I think housing would hit the top of the list for so many in the Bay Area. Um, I, I know that your website has some really great information on there and that you're very available to people if they wanna ask for more detail or to meet with you or call you, have a cup of coffee. I know that you make yourself available. So as well, I'll put information about your website in the blog. Um, well, let me ask you this question because you know sometimes people get confused about some of the issues or you know, they don't understand how maybe housing and transportation and jobs are linked or, you know, the struggles we have, how they connect. Is there anything that you might be able to, you know, further explain, make clearer to, uh, like you did say, you will have to be an, uh, an interpreter or, you know, teach English to English, speak English to English. Mm -hmm. Tell us in layman's terms, what is something people might not understand and need further explanation on? Well, um, I, you know, I, I think it's a, a couple of things. I mean, this is a very intelligent area, so I'm not sure it's things that people um, don't understand here, although I'd say it's, um, it, well, I'd say it goes both ways, right? So making sure that Sacramento understands the impact that decisions are having on small businesses here, which I hear a lot from small businesses that have to cope with regulations, some which are um, are um, well thought through and doing the tenant job. Some are not, you know, and we have to, and the ones that are not, um, uh, we have to look a lot more closely at. Um, we, you know, I hear a lot from, uh, you know, you know, businesses that are impacted and some that are thinking of leaving the area, uh, you know, because what happens in Sacramento. Uh, at the same time, it's, you know, bringing some of the innovative ideas from, uh, this, this area up there. And when I think about transportation and people who go to other cities or countries and say, hey, why can't we have, um, you know, better public transportation? And I think the fact that we've got 27 overlapping transit agencies and- Wow. You would, you would, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. 
Yeah, and it's like you would never, you know, you would never run a business that way. And if we could just get schedule coordination and fair coordination uh, throughout the Bay Area, that itself, without spending a dime, would greatly improve our public transportation. So, you know, some things like that. You know, I love what you just said about running a business that way. A lot of people used to run from that type of talk when it comes to politics. But frankly, why, especially, you know, at the state level, why can't we operate more efficiently? And if you owned this business, um, wouldn't you want it to be as efficient as possible? So I love that you said that. That's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm all about regulation to keep us safe and to, but I'm also about the appropriate regulation such that we can grow and protect our businesses. So great answer. Um, I like that. Uh, let me ask you this. I know that climate change is important to you. It's important to me. It's probably important to everyone in between us and even in Sacramento. Um, how can we grow our economy here while still combating climate change? Are those things in opposition or how can we do that? Well, that's another good, I think traditionally they are thought of as an opposition and, and certainly they're viewed that way in Washington DC right now and in, in many areas across the country. And my goal is to show that it, it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, you know, we have a great economy here in California. We have been growing our renewable energy um, to levels that people didn't think we'd get to. They didn't think we'd get to 33% renewable energy. And, and you know, we, we've hit each, each of the gates along the way and we're already there. And now the goal is to get to 50% and ultimately now 60% uh, on our way to 100% uh, carbon-free energy. And, and I think what we've shown is actually makes, you know, it gets to the, the topic of efficiency, right? You have more efficient buildings. Buildings account for about 40% of our carbon emissions, uh, emissions when you have better lighting, when you have better uh, HVAC, when you've got uh, the right incentives for buildings to be energy efficient. That matters and it's better for those businesses, right? People ultimately save more money when they're spending less on, um, on energy. Um, and then, and then, then this, the jobs themselves. There's already more people who work in the solar industry in California than who work in the coal industry across the whole country. So we have jobs as solar installers. We need massive home energy retrofits, which are also, uh, you know, can be, uh, you know, good, good, uh, uh, good jobs for people across the spectrum. Um, I, think, I think that's what scares people is letting go of that which they know. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you're doing a good job of ensuring people that these, you know, like, so coal goes away because of technology, not because of big, bad Democrats. Let me tell you, coal is going away because of technology. However, technology is producing other opportunities for people to work within the energy industry. So, um, you know, they say the the dirty, dull, dangerous jobs are going to be replaced by AI, but they're also, you know, AI is going to create a whole new uh, sector of jobs. So I always say people need to keep learning. Just keep learning. Keep learning. Um, mm. And don't be so afraid. We need to stop acting out of fear. Look where it's gotten us in some cases. Uh, don't even get me going. <laughs> so, um, you know, my focus is on equity in the workplace. That's my big passion. Um, I devote every minute of every day, probably not just every waking minute. I dream about equity in the workplace. How do you feel, um, you know, what can men do to help women achieve it? Well, a, a lot. And I'm really glad you asked that question. I'm really glad that you're focused on it because it is uh, super important. And if you, you know, go to my website, one of the 
you know, we can only highlight four or five issues and we've had other from the beginning, sort of ending this sort of tech bro culture that we saw uh, emerge in Silicon Valley. Um, and I think it happens at all levels. It starts really at the board level and the senior management level. And I was proud to be a founding advisor to the board list that my friend Sukinder Singh started um, as really a database of, of women who are qualified in all kinds of different areas. When people are looking for a board member, they can go onto the board list and say, oh, great. Okay, I need someone with this expertise. Awesome. She'd be terrific. Um, and, um, and, and we're seeing that. And actually, the state of California helps spur, you know, for the bare minimum, saying, you know, you should have at least one board, one, you have to have at least one woman on the board, although I think we should have a lot more than that. Yeah, um, that but, number should be higher in the dictate, yeah, in the new law, but I know we're working yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it was, it was, it was a start, though, and, but, you know, things like the board list are practical solutions that are uh, helping us get there, um, but I think it's also, um, you know, and then, so it's looking at leadership of, of, uh, of companies and, you know, for me, it was our head of our head of sales. Um, the woman that I, was a woman that I hired, and you know, she was the most highly compensated person in the country because in the company because you know she was running sales and she was doing a good job. And our head of data um, is a woman who kind of started out in the company, you know, at a relatively junior level, and has just emerged to run the by far the biggest team in 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 the company that I was running called Lex Machina. That's um, not part of LexisNexis, um, but. Uh, but also, you know, I think it's at the state level, it's looking at how do we, how do we, how do we really shift the burden of proof, right? So instead of women yes. having to prove, yeah, instead of women having to prove that they're being paid fairly, maybe put the burden on companies to prove that they are paying women fairly, right? How do we, how do we shift that paradigm and shift that burden of proof? Bravo. What a powerful statement. Folks, you understand what he's saying. Um, He's saying the onus is on the company to ensure that they're fair and equitable and that they treat women and other minorities as they would treat men who are uh, doing as good a job, you know, so it's, you know, merit is involved there as well. Uh, right. What I find women have to go out, have to go out and find a lawyer and sue and prove the case as opposed to the vice versa. Right. I love that. Wow. We should talk more on that. I have some thoughts on that, but not, not now. We'll talk later about that. Um, okay. Let me ask you this, Josh. We love a person that we can like, right? We want to vote for the person we um, can relate to. We find him likable or we find her likable. Um, tell me, how do you spend your free time when you're not working so hard? What do you do? Well, I've got two kids. My wife and I are raising two teenagers. So um, <laughs> that's fun. interesting experience. But no, it's fun. Um, you know, I coach my son's basketball for um, every year until this year, the first year I'm not coaching because it's just a little busy with the campaign. Um, but that's been a lot of fun and he loves sports. And so we go to a lot of sporting events and for my daughter, she loves music and we go to a lot of, we've always gone to a lot of concerts together. And that's one of the special things, um, that we like doing. We like to have special meals together, which used to be tacos or sushi, although now she's a vegetarian, which I applaud, uh, but it cuts down a little bit on our dining options. Uh, but uh, we still go out and have a good time. And, and with our dog, our dog, Percy, who's a super, super, super cute uh, <laughs> Labradoodle. And, um, and then, you know, I like to go out and play sports. So that, you know, again, with the campaign, I don't get out. Uh, I haven't done any of that really in a long time. But uh, I'd love to go out on a bike ride, um, you know, or, um, you know, or be, be playing sports, um, you know, out there in our, in our, in our beautiful sunshine here. Well, you, you seem like a very likable guy. All those things are super fun. And who wouldn't love a Labradoodle? Come on. Um, 
I want to just say you're doing really a really really great job on really really good things. So keep it up. And if there's anything I and Mike, you know, I have about fifteen thousand followers on social, and then an inner circle that, um, and as well as a super pod um, that would do anything I asked of them because they love me, they trust me, they know me. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you to succeed, you let us know. I like what you're saying. I like what I see you doing. And I'm so, so honored that you took time out of your busy schedule to spend time with me and my listeners today. Well, thank you. That, that means a lot to me and I enjoyed it. I hope we'll do more. Um, if, I, if I can, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell people the website, which is joshbecker2020.com. My personal email, becker.josh at gmail, uh, or you know, find me on Facebook or um, or Twitter, not quite as much as Instagram, but a little bit. And, um, and yeah, would love uh, help from anyone involved. This is, this is going to be a really close election. It's a, it's a huge opportunity. Again, only 40 state senators in California and a big chance to have a big impact. Understood. Understood. So folks, I always close the show with how can people connect with you? And Josh just shared that. But if you didn't have a chance to write that down, um, Google Josh Becker 2020 and then know that also in the blog that I write, I will put um, a link to his website and I'm sure he's happy to connect with you. I know on the website you can uh, leave a message or, or contact the office or what have you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. And you're doing great things. And I hope that you succeed in your mission. Good. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. I did too. Have a good day, everybody.